Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. In late May, Turkish President Erdogan announced that Turkey plans to launch another operation into northern Syria. Both the United States and Russia have called on Turkey not to launch this new military operation. Ambassador Mark Pirini joins me to look at why Turkey has taken this decision now and what challenges this will pose not only for the region but for Ankara's relations with Washington and Moscow. Mark Pirini is a visiting scholar at Carnegie Europe, where his research focuses on developments in the Middle East and Turkey from a European perspective. Prior to this, Pirini was a career EU diplomat and served as EU ambassador to Turkey. Ambassador Pirini, welcome back on The Greek Current. Thank you for having me. Ambassador, Turkey has conducted four military operations along its border with Syria between 2016 and 2020. Is Ankara about to launch a fifth operation into the region? Well, this at least is the announcement by the president himself. And President Erdogan is known to normally willing to do what he has announced he will do. So this is perhaps the fifth operation ahead of us. It is, however, a complex operation in the sense that there is no major military threat to justify it. Russia is in control of the two areas where Turkey would be willing to operate, and Russia is in control together with the Damascus regime. And this, of course, corresponds to a position by Russia from the very beginning of the war in in Syria that the legitimate regime of Syria should be in control of all the borders and of the entire territory. So in the absence of any international mandate whatsoever, this operation would require some sort of green light from Moscow. You mentioned that there isn't really a security threat this time around for Turkey. Why has Erdogan announced he will take the step now then? You know, is this more about domestic politics or does he see it as an opportunity to take advantage of the situation while everyone's focus is on Ukraine? Well, from a Turkish point of view, there is a permanent threat from the PKK. And as we know, they consider the uh, Syrian Kurdish organization, the military branch, the YPG, as an extension of the PKK which is different from the Western position, where the PKK is a terrorist organization, but Western powers work with YPG against ISIL. So from a purely Turkish point of view, this is legitimate at all times. But of course, in electoral times, it's even more legitimate because this is a source of national consensus in Turkey. So who is going to dare objecting that fighting terrorism in northern Syria is not legitimate for the Turkish authorities. Nobody is going to do that. So, in a way, even if we do not consider this as a purely you know, election-motivated operation, it is a way to neutralize the opposition because CHP, E-Party, others are not going to object to the operation. So, it is part and parcel of a sort of rally around the flag operation. It's part and parcel of flattering the nationalistic uh, sentiment. We've seen that in 2020. We've heard uh, threats uh, against, you know, situation in northern Cyprus. We've heard threats against Greece. So it's part of the same narrative, I would say. But in that particular case, of course, it's a land border, and therefore Turkish troops could operate perhaps more easily. What is not clear at all is whether Russia will accept it. 
Sticking on this, you know, question of domestic politics, Ankara has said that it has plans to resettle Syrian refugees in Turkey into areas it controls in northern Syria. And the issue of Syrian refugees in Turkey has become, you know, a hot topic leading up to this election. What will this mean for these areas, which are home to Kurds and other minorities as well? Well, it would essentially mean demographic engineering, because if the objective is as it is in Afrin, Jarabalus, and uh, Rasalain, and so on. If the objective is to avoid of having these border regions of Syria under the political control or the municipal control or the security control of Kurdish entities, inevitably ensuring full security for the Turkish territory will mean replacing whoever is in charge by non-Kurdish entities. And we've seen that in various forms, in especially the Jarabulus area and Afrin, where basically you have security entities selected by Turkey, directed by the governors in the adjoining Turkish provinces. We've seen municipal entities selected, appointed by Turkey. We're seeing that the Turkish lira is the currency. And we're seeing that uh, from dispensaries to clinics to post offices, the system is Turkish. So, you know, whatever the reasoning is in Ankara about the legitimacy of fighting terrorism in foreign land, I don't see the legitimacy of administering a foreign land outside international mandate. Both the United States and Russia have called on Turkey not to launch this new operation into the region. I want to start with Washington, however. What's Washington worried about, and how do you see a potential Turkish operation impacting already tense U.S.-Turkey ties? I would say the the main worry is not to let provocation take place, because essentially the cooperation between the U.S. military and the YPG is in fighting the Islamic State. This goes on. It's not over. The Islamic State is not dead. So there are operations ongoing. And therefore, any operation by Turkey would create new problems with the YPG and could create a sort of backlash from the Syrian Kurdish militia, which in turn will diminish the efficiency of the fight against the Islamic State. I think this would be an unnecessary increase of tensions in the region. And basically, for different reasons, the Kremlin has said the same. Let's look at the Russia angle. Russia's foreign minister was in Turkey today for talks that also covered Turkey's plans for Syria. Turkey, as you mentioned already, will ultimately need Russia's blessing for any operation. Is Moscow likely to give Ankara the green light here? I would say it's a complex calculus because it involves a lot of other factors. It involves, of course, the war in Ukraine, with Turkey providing efficient weaponry to the Ukrainians. It involves the ongoing discussion on having a corridor to export Ukrainian cereals from Odessa, Mykolaiv, and perhaps other places. It involves also other links between Russia and Turkey, such as the electricity plant, nuclear-powered plant, under construction in Akuyu, in the south of Turkey, or the provision of uh, gas through the Turk Stream pipelines and tourism and so on. So 
in this very complex and often difficult to understand relationship between the Russian and the Turkish presidents, you have a lot of different ingredients. And I don't think there can be a movement on one segment of the relationship without implications for the other segment. That's the way it works. What type of implications are we talking about here? You know, what would Russia expect from Turkey? Well, first of all, if Russia is about, as some people have argued, including in the Western European press recently, that this is a given. Uh, Russia will authorize Turkey to do this dual operation in, in northern Syria. If Russia gives a blessing to this operation, then the Kremlin goes against its own doctrine concerning Syria, meaning that they would only do that against a benefit somewhere else. Where that could be, difficult to say, but it could be in trying to use this willingness of Turkey to play an intermediation role with Ukraine about cereal exports, another very complex operation or idea. It could be anything else concerning armament sales to Ukraine or concerning Russian armament sales to Turkey. Ambassador, thanks for joining us again on The Greek Current. Great speaking with you as always. Thank you very much. In other news, referring to the upsurge in incendiary statements emanating from Ankara, Prime Minister Kiriakos Mitsotakis said on Tuesday that he hopes the tension doesn't spill over to the ground level, adding, this rhetoric leads us nowhere. Mitsotakis said that this was an unpleasant development because he also had the impression after his meeting with President Erdogan that they had found a framework for reconciliation. Erdogan has said that he will no longer speak to Mitsotakis, but the Greek leader said that he imagines at some point they will talk because they have to. Mitsotakis added that he does not hold a grudge, but he will defend the Greek positions with the certainty that Greece is in the right. Finally, Greek and Israeli delegations met in Athens on Monday to discuss speeding up the construction of the Euro-Asia Interconnector, a submarine cable connecting the power grids of Greece, Cyprus, and Israel. Greece's energy minister, Kostas Krekas, said that the Euro-Asia Interconnector is a strategically important project that will upgrade the energy security and supply adequacy of all three countries. Meanwhile, on Tuesday, Cyprus, Greece, Israel, and the United States held their first ministerial meeting within the context of the 3 plus 1 partnership on climate action, deciding to form a joint technical committee of experts to submit recommendations over a roadmap on climate change. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.